Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm honored to be here today. I'm honored to let Holy Spirit speak through me. This has nothing to do with me and all to do with Him. And so I'm fully relying on what He wants to speak to this house and um, what He's wanting to do in and through every single one of us. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share and give Pastor Brian that time to get to be as adventurous as he as he can be. One of the most adventurous people I know. <laughs> all right, we're going to start in um, Matthew, and we're going to talk about the very famous passage of Jesus walking on water. Now listen, before you just check out and you're like, I've heard this before, I ask that you, you hear with spiritual ears and your heart ready to maybe let Jesus show you a little different side to this story. He's been having me meditate on this for a few weeks, and I'm excited to finally get to deliver it to this service and let Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. Um, so in Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the word that you've put in all of our hands to hear you and know you better. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you want to speak to every person in this service. I thank you that you have your way and I am just a mouthpiece today. I thank you for what you're going to do in and through every life today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to give you some back backstory, right? So I just jumped to verse 22. Let's go back up to verse or chapter 14 and verse 1. This is when John the Baptist is tragically beheaded by Herod Antipas. And Jesus hears the news and he wants to get away and be alone in a remote place. And so he goes on a boat um, and tries to, and goes to a remote place. The crowds hear about it and they follow, right? Jesus is starting to do some miracles. His name is starting to become more famous and they are wanting to go where he goes. They want to get what they need to get from him. And so they go. It's interesting to me that they get there faster than Jesus on a boat. They're walking, <laughs> across all the towns and they're get there, they are there before he does. So the moment he steps on off of the boat into what he thought was a remote place, there's a crowd ready and waiting for him. And Jesus, who's such a good father and such a good servant, 
immediately has compassion on the people, begins to heal their sick, and this is the time when he feeds the 5,000. And they say 5,000, really, it's 15 to 20 because they only count men in the Bible. Yes, I know, yeah. Anyways, so really, it's about 15 to 20,000 people. So it changed your brain to wrap around how much more it really is than than what was said. And so this is when he multiplies the children, the child, the boy's lunchbox, and he had five loaves of fish and, or five loaves of bread and two fish. And this is when Jesus multiplies it and feeds thousands and thousands of people. In John's account, he talks about this and he makes us a little bit more aware because it says that the people after this miracle were ready to make him king then and there. So regardless of what what we know Jesus's purpose was, at this time, based on prophecy, they really thought when the Messiah comes, he will be king and he will save us. That was their mindset at this time. So when these people see this miracle after miracle, healing all of their sick and then feeding them, they're like, here's our Messiah. Here's our King. Let's crown you right now. John's account says that he needed to get away quickly. And we know in this account, in Matthew's account, it says Jesus insisted, insisted the disciples get back on the boat. If we're going to use that word insistent, you would think that there would be some argument. Maybe the the disciples wanted to stay or go with Jesus. We knew Jesus needs to get away. He's been ready to mourn the death of his cousin. The death of his cousin who led the way for Jesus to come to this earth. Side note too, I didn't say this in the first service, but do you think that maybe also it's preparing Jesus for his own death? that what's to come, things that are beginning to happen in Jesus. And he says, I need to get alone and be with the Father. I also need my disciples not to sit in this mindset of ready to king me here and now. I need you out of this. How many times sometimes are we supposed to get out of what the world says, but we stay in it? Man, when things are louder than Jesus's voice, When I base things off of what I see on TikTok or social media than I do on the word of God, there's a problem. I need to hear his voice and I need to be obedient to his voice. And so the disciples, what do they do? They they obey because that's their purpose. That's part of their story. A story that we get to grab a hold of and we get to be a part of their story. And so they go and they obey. And what's about to happen is they're about to enter a very scary storm when they're far away from land, far away from any other option of what to do that they're about to enter in. My first point today is you may be in a storm because of your obedience to Jesus. Because I said yes. See, Pastor Brian preached an incredible message, and if you missed it, you need to listen to it about Jonah. And I don't really like Jonah, really, after that. (laughs) There's some good lessons to learn, because he's kind of a crybaby and wants to be right. Anyways, in his story, he was in a storm. Why? Disobedience. Why were the disciples in a storm? Obedience. Your storm is not an indicator on if you're in the will of God or not. We look at circumstances and we think, what did I do wrong? What did I, Jesus, I I said yes. Everything's supposed to be smooth after the yes. This is supposed to be easy. 
Jesus, you're so good. Why am I having to go through what I'm going through? We have all those questions. We don't always understand. And so when we look at the storm to say, am I good or not? That's not what we're supposed to do. Jonah needed a storm to get back into the will of God. The disciples, what we're going to go in deeper into is they went into a storm to learn more about who Jesus is. And so there's always reasons of why we're going to go through this storm. There's always reasons of of what is going to happen. Not that Jesus brings the storm, but he may allow the storm or send you in a way that he knows you got to go this way. It's a tight path. I'm sorry. There's things that are going to come. I understand that. But I'm sending you this way. Are you going to obey? So for me, a personal story for me, when I was pregnant with my second son, who it took a while to, to have, um, Ethan was, was five, almost six years old when I finally got pregnant with Eli. And um, I actually miscarried a year before I had Eli. It was not easy for me to have babies. <laughs> my sister pops them out one by one real fast. <laughs> and not me. It was, it was trials and waiting and standing. And I finally get pregnant. Um, I'm a kindergarten teacher at this time. I've taught seven years. And then God tells me, hey, this, this path that you're on, you're a teacher. I'm going to call you out of it. I'm going to ask you to stay home and homeschool your brilliant child, who I'm pretty sure Ethan is way smarter than I am. Um, and so I even at five. Um, and so I homeschooled him. And, um, and during that time, so I felt like God was calling me um, to, to let go of teaching. He was telling me, hey, this is your get in the boat moment. I need you to go on this path. When I told my husband the first time God downloaded this to me, he said, you're funny. (laughs) That's awesome, honey. You know I do the finances, not you. I was like, I know. I really feel like God's saying this. He's like, awesome. I don't don't know. Good dreaming. Keep dreaming. (laughs) Um, It was very hard for him to say, how are you going to cut our income in half? It doesn't add up. It do, it's just so sorry. It doesn't work. And so as I continue to go to God, not that my husband is full of faith. I just need you to know I'm going to get there in that. that. I needed to continue to go to God. He continued to download it. I had scriptures after scriptures. And I really felt like, man, I think I, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. And when you seek out good counsel after you've been with God, after... Don't find someone to help you make a decision before you hear from God. And if I can confirm it in his word, I know it's God and not a feeling or a thing I think I should do. So we need the word. So when I went to her, I said, here's my journal. Here's all these scriptures. I think I'm supposed to quit teaching. And she was like, okay. And she looked at us, she's like, I really feel like you heard God. And then she was able to completely confirm what I needed to hear and help me get some faith in that moment I needed. And she said, I think that this is like an out of the boat experience. I think you're going to have to walk on the water. See, Brandon and I want, want to know right away. Like, God, you're going to make it clear right away. We wanted it to be clear right away. And it wasn't. And it was this understanding we had to step out and say, okay, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to obey. I'm supposed to, to step out into this, into this area in a new path I'm supposed to go on. After that conversation, I immediately called Brandon. And he said, I, I agree. And faith just quickly rose in Brandon. And it already, God had already been working on the both of us. And so we made the decision. I told my principal. And on the last day of school, 
I had a condition called HELP syndrome. And the only way you can get over HELP syndrome is for the baby to be born. It is the worst case of preeclampsia you can experience. And you will die, both mom and the baby, if the baby stays. They gently let me know that within hours of me going into the hospital. But I had to just leave school early. I went in and I began to enter into the most beautiful storm I've ever had. It was a very scary time, but man, there was peace over us. God had prepared and equipped Brandon and I and put the right people in our lives to stand right alongside of us to experience what we were about to experience. Eli was born at 29 weeks. He weighed two little pounds. Um, He was like the size of a hand. Um, He was so little, but here's the glory to God. His lungs were fully developed. God breathed into him when he was born. And you can hear and know Eli even to this day. Those lungs function just fine. (laughs) He is mighty and loud like his mama and strong. It's a beautiful, beautiful situation. And what I tell this story, his whole testimony, I could go on and on. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. He defied all odds of preemie. They were like, he doesn't know he's a preemie. He doesn't know he's a white boy. And I'm like, what does that mean? White males are the least likely to survive. And at 29 weeks, the pediatrician wanted to prepare Brandon and I. He may, he may not be living. Like, we don't know. I need you to think, to go in knowing what could happen. Somehow I didn't hear her. I remember Alicia was like, I mean, we don't even know. (laughs) In Jesus' name, that's not how you're going to walk out. (laughs) And it was just beautiful when he cried his first cry in the OR, and that OR screamed because they really did think he wasn't going to make it, and I was within hours of not making it. It It was a crazy storm. But what I say of why it was so important that I said yes to Jesus to go ahead and say goodbye to teaching for a time, for a season, I was able to walk into that situation full of faith and full of peace. I did not fear what was to come. And when people would bring doubt, I didn't even hear it. I, if I wouldn't have said goodbye to teaching, it would have been very stressful to have to figure out very quickly in already a very busy time, okay, I got to say goodbye to teaching. I don't know what to do. My classroom is full. All these things would have happened. And I would have started to walk that path the wrong way instead of knowing I was supposed to walk this way. I had everyone doubt me, even my dad. He was like, I mean, it just doesn't make sense for you to quit teaching. After Eli was born, he was like, oh, you hear from God. I was like, thank you. And a lot of you were like, man, that was so good that you knew you were supposed to stay home. I'm like, yes, thank you. That's exactly right. And I was able to just focus on being a mama and getting to homeschool my Ethan as well. It was a glorious time. And in those two years, we began to lean on God like never before. Every bill was paid within hours sometimes. And we were always full. We ate all food. No cans of anything were ever left, but we were always full. And the cool thing is in that season, any type of poverty mentality that was ever on either one of us left in that season. And it doesn't seem to make sense, but we leaned on God like never before. I was meant to get in the boat at that time. I was meant to say yes. I was meant to walk this season in this path with God. And I was able to do it victorious instead of scared and full of anxiety, 
because he equipped me and prepared me, and I said yes. I want to go back into the text in verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Of course they thought it was a ghost. No one has ever done this. Like, what in the world is happening? It's three o'clock in the morning. They're fighting winds and waves, and they see Jesus walking on the storm, on the very thing that was bringing them fear. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. I am here, translated in the Greek, means I am, all caps. Same as when God spoke to Moses and said, tell them I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you, meaning king above kings, Lord above lords, no one is above you. Jesus says, get ready, you're about to meet I am. You think you know me? Get ready. Then Peter called out, Lord, if it's really you. So after he says that, Peter's like, but if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I'm like, Jesus, you could have waited a little while and let, it, let Peter kind of like enjoy the fact that he was the only disciple that said, hey, tell me to come and then does it. Gets out of the side of the boat, lifts his foot out and gets on that water. So um, I love the water and I love cruising. We all, we love cruising. We try to get as many people, if you want to know about cruising, we will let you know. Like we try to get as many people to enjoy what cruising does. There are times when we're cruising and the water is like glass. And I'm like, I think, I feel like I could walk on that. That's not how the water was. I've had two experiences with some wind and waves on the water. And they are like so minute compared to this story. But there was one time that uh, we were on a cruise. See, I love it. Um, and you, we were in Roatan, and we were in this area, and inside there is uh, like no waves, right? Like that's where Brandon likes to stay. Like there's no waves. I won't drown. That's great. We got some kayaks, and we were like, I want to like get out. So Jason and I were like, we're always the adventurous ones. Like let's jump off a cliff. Let's go out in the water. Like let's go. And Courtney and Brandon are like, hey, back here. Um, and so anyways, so I go out And the indicator should have been no one else was going out. Like everyone else knew we shouldn't, I think we should go out in those waters. They all came in and I was like going as fast as I could. Like, look how fast I am. And Jason's behind me. And there's a point that he's like, um, I think, I think, I don't think you should go out there anymore. Like the wind is starting to really pick up and I am not moving. And so he kind of stops and stays back. And here I am like outside of the coral reef and I'm going. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm moving nowhere but sideways. <laughs> the wind is getting me and I think I'm going. Even Brandon was like, dude, you thought you were going and you were not even moving. The wind was just taking you away. 
and I didn't have shoes on and underneath was all coral. So I couldn't just like get out of the boat either. And so I, uh, I start to go and Jason's like, how can I help her? But if I go out, I'm stuck too. And Brandon's like, there goes my wife. And he's like, I cannot help you. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm out there and then the guy from one of the workers like comes out. I mean, I can just see his face to this day, like rolling his eyes. Like I have to save this stupid American girl. So he <laughs> saves me, brings me in. And my husband was like, I was just hoping maybe you'd catch the ship. Like maybe you would float all the way to the ship and you would get caught. So I know what it's like just a little bit to do that. We were at the lake in the the same thing happened. My family knew to get out and I was on my paddleboard. I'm like, I'm going to keep going. And so I get it. I get, and then all of a sudden just this wind picks up and I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. I got this. And I'm going. And then I'm like, okay, this reminds me of the other time. And I'm trying to run. I'm not going anywhere. And there's my family on the shore, just looking at me. And I go and I go. And all of a sudden I finally get to the shore and the wind picks up and it just, I pick up my paddleboard and it just knocks me back down. I'm like, man, this is what wind a little window waves can do. And Peter said, I'll step out on great wind and waves. I mean, that's faith, y'all. When I think about the fact that I need faith, I have always up to this time thought I need great faith. I need like a size. Like I'm always growing the size of my faith. When he says little, I think, oh, it needs to grow. And if I compare it to someone else, I'm like, oh man, they had great faith. I need faith like that. And I always think I thought I had to grow it. But in this situation, when I looked up the word little in the Greek is oglios, which means small in number or quality. Small in number doesn't mean small in size. Why else does he say it's you can have faith as little as a mustard seed. He's telling you size, size doesn't matter. It's not, that's not what it's about. In the Aramaic, it means zero. And if I'm saying I'm wrong, hey, you just catch me afterwards. Let me know. Someone young and inexperienced. So Peter's having a lesson in this moment. So when he immediately grabs Peter and he says, what I thought was savage and not at all, because he's a teacher and he's loving and he wants Peter in that moment before the storm is even stopped, before they're even in the boat, he says, why did you have little faith? Why did you have just a short sprint of faith? And then you lost it. You started to doubt me. Peter, you were doing it. You got out of the boat in some scary waters. And he didn't just get out of the boat and sink, which is what I would have done. He got out of the boat and actually walked on stormy waves and water, right? Like he's walking on that. What happened was he lost his sight of Jesus for just a minute. He began to see the strong wind and he began to see the strong wave and he began to sink immediately. How many times have we done that? Man, I've got faith to step out and say yes to Jesus. I did the first point. I did it. I stepped out and I know that I can do this. And the moment a wind or a wave comes and shakes you a little, you're ready to sink. And here's what's encouraging. It's not that Jesus is condemning Peter. Saying, man, dude, get it together. Like, what's wrong with you? Why'd you do that? Which is how, I, honestly, how I've ever read it. Maybe you're more spiritual than I, but I've always read it like, I think you're mean a little right there. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of rude. 
He's not at all. He's saying, oh man, Peter, I need you to know that you had the right amount of faith. You had great, great faith. You just didn't make it. You just didn't make it to me. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Jesus was walking on the very thing they were fearing. He walked on it. He showed up and he said, look, I'm already victorious over this. Before the storm even stops, I need y'all to know I'm already victorious. And Peter, I need you to know that you have the ability to be just as victorious as I am. I'm equipping you and telling you, hey, Peter, you're meant to outlast this storm. My second point is faith has the potential to outlast any storm. When I let Jesus write my story, when I say yes to him, where I'm supposed to go, do what I'm supposed to do. When I say yes, I must, I must have faith to do it. I must have faith to know that what I'm going to step into, that it's not in my ability or what I can do. I keep my eyes on him. I start to understand who he is. And he says, my faith that I'm going to give to you can last out any storm you come across. It's not on me. When I began to study this, a weight lifted off of me. And he was like, wait, I don't actually have to build my faith. I got to stay standing. I got to stay walking. With every step of faith, I get closer and closer to my Savior. And I don't pay attention to what's going on around me. I don't focus on the wind and the waves. That's what I learned from Peter. I also learned from Peter, what does he do the minute he starts to sink? He calls out, save me, Lord. He doesn't say, save me, Jesus. He says, save me, Lord. Lord, if it's really you, I wanna know, are you really Lord? And then the moment he begins to sink, save me, Lord. You're not meant to just be so strong in your faith that fear and doubt don't come. Or like Pastor Alicia likes to talk a lot about uncertainty. There's so many things. When Brandon and I stepped out and I said no to teaching, we really thought we're going to get this check or heaven is going to open up the roof of our house and just drop all the cash we need. That's what we thought. We're like, oh, okay, I'll say yes then. Like how Gideon's like, make the fleece wet. Now make the fleece dry. Now do all these things, Right. That's literally what we like back and forth went to until finally he was like, see, can you do it without knowing anything that's going to happen? Can you really do it and be able to step into what you're supposed to step into? My faith has the potential to outlast any storm I go through because this walk I go on, I'm going to come on storms. I'm going to experience trials. And my faith has the potential to outlast them all. And if they don't, Jesus won't condemn me. He'll save me. He'll remind me. He'll teach me. I want to go back to the text as I close. When I start to look at this is actually the second time that they've been in a storm. In Matthew 8, 23 through 27, they're in a storm and Jesus is with them and he's asleep on the boat. And this is when they're like, Jesus, do you even care? We're going to die. Like he's there and he's like, they're like, why is he sleeping? We're all about to die and he's just sleeping. That's when Jesus speaks out and says, 
wind and waves, like they stop and he calms everything with just the sound of his voice. And it's such a beautiful illustration. At the end of that story, they say, who is this man? They asked, even the winds and waves obey him. So what happened the first time is they were in awe, but they really didn't know who he was yet. They didn't call him Lord. They didn't call him Savior. They didn't call him anything. They were like, wait, wait, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? What is going on? My third and final point is with every opportunity, we can gain a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. This second storm that the disciples are about to experience is the second opportunity to say that he's ready to build their faith more. He's wanting their faith to outlast a little bit longer. Because on the boat the first time in Matthew 8, he says the same thing, you have so little faith. If you look in different passages, he actually says this quite a lot. What is he doing there? He's not telling them to make them feel bad. He's telling them your faith didn't last long enough this time. And you didn't know who I was. So let's do it again. And this time I'm not going to be with you. This time, you know, you think like the disciples were like, if Jesus was here, we know he would have been okay. But this time he's not here. What are we going to do? And they're fighting and they're fighting. And then when Jesus shows up on the scene, Peter's like, okay, I'm going to really find out who you are in this moment. Tell me, if you're Lord, you'll call me to come and it'll work. And it did for a short amount of time. I don't know if I said my title of my message, but it's the duration of faith. And we're meant to continue this faith. The duration should not be short. It's meant to be long. And every opportunity, Jesus says, let's build on it. Why are we supposed to remember our testimony? Why am I telling you a testimony nine years ago? That testimony that I walked through got me ready for the next thing. I was able to look back at it and say, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, I remember what you did. I remember you showed up on the scene immediately and Eli had no health conditions, did not need to be on oxygen, fully breathing what, was a, what is unheard of, especially for a white male. Defied all things. So when God tells me, get out the boat again, I said, okay, I remember. I remember. Your storm or the weight in your storm is still not an indicator on if you're following Jesus and his story. I waited 10 years for my student loans to be paid. And they were, I shared that. If you were in here, I shared it. $47,000, gone, forgiven. I think another testimony that people thought, mm-mm. And when I tell people, they're like, well, unfair. <laughs> so either way, I'm like, I don't know. But I know God and I know the promise he told me. And I said, all right, God, that was faith. And I believed it. And when I thought I was gonna lay it down, I said, no, nope, pick it back up. And I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna pray it out and I'm gonna believe it and I'm gonna stand in it. With every opportunity, I get to know who's in control. Jesus showed up on the scene and he said, I'm victorious over it all. I'm in control. I've got this. And Peter, you got it too. You can do it too. It's interesting that the moment they both get back into the boat, the wind stops. It just stops. He didn't even say anything that time. I would have thought like Peter would have been like, man, when I get out, you, I know what you can do. And he didn't do it. 
And that will go back to us thinking, oh, maybe I got this figured out. Maybe Peter thought, I know that you can stop this storm. So when you see my great faith, you'll stop it. He didn't. He wanted Peter to know that he was victorious before the storm stopped and to know that Peter, you've got something in you when I'm gone. You've got something that I'm preparing you for when I'm gone. I need your faith to continue to last. I need your faith when it's dark and you're getting beat and you're getting put in jail. I need your faith to last. I need you to be equipped. I need you to be ready. I need you to not let doubt. I need you to not let fear come in and stop you from doing what I've called you to do. So while I'm here and I can look you in the eyes and I can say, hey, your faith was little, get ready to not doubt me because it's gonna get longer. It's gonna stay longer. You're gonna be able to keep stepping. You're gonna be able to keep stepping. Come on, church, if you will stand with me in this moment, man, if you are in this house and you're like, oh, I need that faith. Maybe I lost it. I could see my short sprint, but, but it started, it's starting to dwindle. I'm, I'm starting to look at that wave and it's coming towards me. I'm starting to lose my eye contact with Jesus. I don't see him anymore. Is he really there? Is he really Lord? Is he really gonna save me? Maybe you've never even gotten into the boat or when he's calling you, yeah, come out into the stormy waters. Maybe you're too scared to do it get it. And the things I've seen God move in, it was scary when I believed it. But there's something when you lock eyes with Jesus. There's something that happens when you see this word come to life for you. It wasn't just about Peter and the disciples. It's about us today. It's about us locking arms with Jesus and saying, Jesus just showed up on my scene. In the waiting, it can feel like he's gone and he's in a remote place and he's left you. But I promise you, he immediately showed up when the disciples needed him. He immediately was there and they began to gain an understanding that he is the son of God. The second time, that's what they finally say. Who, this, they don't say, who is this man? They say, you really are the son of God. God's showing you today. He's showing some people today, hey, I am really the son of God. Hey, I really am in control. Hey, if I've called you out, hey, son, daughter, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you in the storm. I'm not abandoning you. I'm ready to walk with you. Walk to me. Yes, come, come. Don't, don't leave me. Don't, don't start to sink and abandon this. Come to me because I'm here. I'm here. Who is that today that says, yes, I'm ready to step into faith like never before we church. I'm ready to do this calling. It's not just about getting all good fuzzies. It's about what is God telling us to do in Center 10 at 2023. What are we called to do? God's giving you the faith today. If that is you, lift your, high, your hands and your eyes up to heaven and be ready to receive the faith that God has for you today. Receive what Jesus is doing in this moment. Father God, you see every heart in this place. You see every hungry heart. You see every situation. 
In Jesus' name, we come against fear. In Jesus' name, we come against depression. In Jesus' name, we come against anxiety. In Jesus' name, we come against pride that stops us from calling out to you. In Jesus' name, we fear you and the right way to know you are king above all kings and you are Lord above all lords. Faith is depositing in some hearts today. Faith is depositing in some hearts today. I thank you, Father God, that they're ready to outlast the storm that they're in that they're ready to be equipped to go into the storm that they're going into. I thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Reach Church, can you shout to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He sees you. He sees you right now in this moment. He sees you. He knows. He knows. He's not left you. He's not left you. I'm right here, he says. I'm right here, see me. Look, look for me. Father God, if there's any person in this house, I ask that boldness come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. If they need to receive you as their king, in this moment, if you are ready to make the Lord your savior, if you've never made him your savior, do not walk out of this house not making him your king, not making him your Lord. He's calling you today. You came here for a purpose today. Maybe you walked away. You were in the boat and you got out and you went back. Jesus said, that's all right. Hey, I love you. I've been with you and I'm ready to come back to you. I've always actually been here. If you are either one of those people that you need to make Jesus the Lord and save your life or you walked away and you're ready to come back, I ask you to boldly raise your hand in this house. Any person in this room, that is ready to make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Anyone in this room. All right, amen.